morning. Morning. I think you, uh, you all know about uh, the Buddhist, not exclusively Buddhist, but it's the prominent place in Buddhism of confession and repentance. Oh, hello. <laughs> is that you? Um, Espa here? Espa? Is that you, Espa? Hello, Judy. Should I Oops, that scared her. Sorry. You can come in if you want. Want to come in? <laughs> She's had to change her mind. The drop of a hat. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we choose. Uh, she is the, the cat who lives at uh, Poesia Cafe right up on 18th there. And uh, she used to come over very frequently until the uh, proprietor told residents of the block, please don't feed her. We feed her, but please don't feed her. So we stopped feeding her. Now she doesn't come by as often. Anyway, confession and repentance. Um, we had a, uh, a lovely uh, sign on our front porch calligraphy by my brave Jiko, the incense carrier, uh, Dr. Jiva Chandra, Larry. And uh, was it yesterday or the day before? Somebody just walked up onto the porch, pulled it down and walked away with it. And uh, we think it's the same guy who, well, three weeks ago or something, Walked up onto the porch, dismantled the David's very carefully prepared dragon pot with a plant in it, and uh, put that on a probably also a stolen office chair and wheeled it away to the sunset. So, um, where confession and repentance comes in is that I uh, found myself quite angry with this person uh, in a kind of persistent way. And when that happens, it means one is um, feeding the fire, so to speak. So uh, I want to confess that as not how we are encouraged to practice with, uh, quote, negative, unquote, emotional states. Um, and the repentance aspect is I will make an effort to interrupt those currents when they arise. And they're going to arise because, well, I have, we have photographs of this character from our front door camera. And when I stumble across them, it's a current of substantial displeasure. And I won't go into detail about what I consider would be appropriate punishment for this character. But anyway, I will try not to um, 
indulge in this. Uh, and that's my confession and repentance this morning. And, and of course, I'm sure all of you uh, have a similar practice. Um, and just as a reminder, uh, Suzuki Roshi, as is the case with other of our John and Zen mentors, suggests that we not um, get into the mindset of, oh, this is evil, or, and oh, this is good. So when something like this comes up, he said, um, so instead of thinking, oh, bad, bad, just think, don't do that. That's all. That's it. No more. Don't do that. And I have found that quite helpful rather than getting into some sort of moral argument about whether that is justified or whatnot. As he put it, just think not to do, as he put it in his quaint English, not to do. So I am going to make an effort to think not to do when uh, temptation comes up to wish misfortune upon this person. Still, if you are in, in your, your travels, if you're, I don't know, down at Civic Center or, or you, you go to one of the flea markets in the Bay Area and you see a nice piece of wood with the characters for Mio Shuzan, which means uh, Wondrous Practice Mountain. If you see that, offer to buy it and inquire into its provenance. <laughs> Where did you get this marvelous thing? Oh, you know, it's an antique. It's hundreds of years old from Japan. So we'd like it back if um, that's possible. We also love to get our dragon pot back, but uh, it doesn't seem very likely somehow. So, so much for confession and repentance. Did she leave? Okay. In a uh, kind of uh, not exactly uh, contrary vein, but in a contrasting vein, um, another of Sudhikarosh's suggestions was that we avoid practicing what he called sightseeing sazen. And it's pretty much exactly what it sounds like. Uh, namely, zazen becomes like uh, going on some kind of excursion and, and, and looking, hopefully, for interesting things that are happening. Um, alternatively, finding a uh, place or a phenomenon that is disagreeable uh, as though we were sightseeing and found a restaurant that we really didn't like and left in a hurry. Uh, kind of uh, try not to get into that frame of mind. And I mention it because it is tempting. Uh, the other day, when was that? Probably Tuesday morning. Um, 
oh, I, I was having a particularly fun time in Zazen. <laughs> that doesn't happen all that often. It does happen sometimes. And uh, this time I was marveling at, how do I put this? Something like the, I don't know what to call it, the truth of emptiness. And that, in fact, any and all phenomena seemed to be arising from nothing and vanishing into nothing. And I thought, this is jolly, and I really like this. So there was some temptation to cultivate the mind of sightseeing Vazen. And then I noticed that the next day, there was a sense of, oh, maybe I can get there again. I can go back to that, uh, that uh, vacation spot. Uh, and at that point, I realized, oh, well, this is uh, this was um, sightseeing zazen, and uh, it's an, another one of those. Don't do that. Why? Because whatever that was, whatever that place was that one visited and found so enjoyable, uh, was not really there. Had no inherent existence. And the attempt to relate to it as though it did have such inherent existence would be self-defeating. So anytime, whether it's in retreat or not in retreat, when we find that we have landed in a particularly agreeable, bucolic place, the Zazen equivalent of a green sword and a little babbling stream and a lovely cat coming to visit, etc. Uh, it's good to notice and it's okay to appreciate, but maintain the body-mind that is practicing non-attachment. And it, as it arises, let it arise. As it passes away, let it pass away, and do not try to visit again, ever. And if you find yourself there again, okay, fine. Uh, be equally open-handed with letting it go, and if you never visit again, that's fine. And if you do, that's also fine. But to maintain this, uh, this frame of mind that is intent on consistently practicing non-attachment is uh, practicing the body-mind that is, what should I say, orienting towards the end of suffering. And no matter how delightful the place uh, was or is that is visited, uh, any attachment to it will be the seeds of suffering sooner or later. So that's a great opportunity. And and the more attractive the spot, the greater the opportunity it is to let it go when it goes. Now, such uh, 
lovely little places to visit. They will happen, they've probably happened to all of you, and they will continue to do so. That is one of the fruits of practice. Um, and since it is one of the fruits of practice, the temptation is there to like gather those fruits and hug them. It's like, well, don't do that. Trust the practice more deeply than that. So whatever happens, you can let it go. And um, as I, I've said before, uh, what do we call them? I don't know, valid experiences or, I don't know, genuine experiences of that kind enter the body-mind and remain. So you don't have to do any particular curation. You don't have to curate those experiences. Just let them do what they do. And they will, in a sense, be with you always. So sometimes people who have a really great time at retreat, and then retreat ends and they return to their ordinary life, whatever that was, and uh, notice that gradually the retreat glow is tickling away. And sometimes people get quite upset with that. It's like, oh no, I'm, I'm sliding back into that horrible everyday mind. <laughs> So again, this is a great opportunity to say, oh, look, I was cultivating a frame of mind where I was really trying to get that particular uh, coordination of body-mind states. I was trying to get them to stay. And in the nature of things, they won't. So when it goes, let it go. As I say, trust the practice that much. Trust, um, what is it, the great uh, Dr. Carl Jung. And, uh, I don't know if it was single-handedly, but he built this really cool place uh, uh, on the Lake Geneva. Uh, a really cool tower you know, for his you know, meditations and studies and so forth. It's really, really wonderful. I don't know if he is completely by himself, but it's just, uh, you're not really allowed to visit. You can sail by, but you can't really get, go in and, and admire what's inside there, unfortunately. But he, uh, among other things, he, uh, you know, he, he, he was pretty skilled carver and he carved this block of granite with this uh, Latin saying, and it says, uh, let's see if I can get this right, it says, um, uh, vocatus, uh, vocatus atque non vocatus, Deus averit. Now, I only had two years of Latin and not enjoy it. So nonetheless, that's pretty straightforward. It says, um, uh, uh, summoned or not summoned 
the God, or if you prefer, God, will be present. Could you repeat that a little louder? Oh, sorry. Uh, summoned or not summoned, the God will be present. Uh, so that was one of his discoveries, and um, one which I applaud myself. And I would say that's um, as a way of relating to um, our spiritual inheritance here in the West, it has much to recommend it over the uh, at times uh, kind of overwhelming tradition of what's called petitioning prayer where you you know you're, you're praying to the deity that such and such happen or not happen and each time it's kind of a gamble so if it'll actually turn out you know will will the deity respond according to my wishes or not so that's one kind of well-established tradition and then there's this other which is like you know whether you summon the deity or address the deity or you don't the deity is there so that's kind of another way of saying trust your practice trust your practice Yeah. Practice also of um, more deliberate manipulation of reality that also definitely exists, I think, both East and West. Um, learned the other day that um, uh, the, I guess it's safe to say, followers of the late Aleister Crowley in his, his esoteric tradition known as the Lema, they, they have an interesting approach. Um, I don't know the details, but when they have, for instance, something, there's something called a uh, the Gnostic with a G, Gnostic Mance, which involves, I don't know, various, you know, a kind of a Eucharist and all this other stuff. And there's also a homily or an address by the officiant, I suppose. But the uh, address is preceded by a lengthy and a rather elaborate invocation spoken aloud uh, by the officiant. And it's full, among other things, of uh, has a number of what they call nomina barbara, which is barbarous names, which is names of various angelic and maybe not so angelic entities, uh, whose very name possesses the magic 
which uh, brings them into focus. And speaking this invocation is held to uh, bring the, I don't know, deity, the divinity to, to come to rest on one's very tongue as a preparation for delivering a homily or sermon. I, I enthusiastically approve of that approach. Why? Because vocatus atque non vocatus deus aderit. The God will be present. Why? Well, I don't know, because kind of it's our nature. As above, so below, they say. Um, I knew as I was crossing my legs to give the talk that I have a particular kink that I get in my hip that um, starts to cause trouble after a few minutes, and sure enough, so if you will excuse me, I'm going to thank you. There we go. Sorry. <sighs> That's better. Pardon my bad example. Not the, you know, sin, grim. I don't care how much it hurts, I'm not moving. <laughs> um, I do not prescribe that particularly. So. Another way of, um, I don't know, not exactly establishing, but another way of trusting that the God will be present. Another way to say that is things as they are, or as Suzuki Roshi, in his quaint English, would put it, things as it is. And some of his students adopted that particular neologism, which is always a little funny to hear a native English speaker say, things as it is. <laughs> but, uh, things as they are. invoke and embrace the deity. Uh, which is uh, why we have such confidence in our practice of sitting still. So for us, it's not like uh, yeah, well, we sit still and then we or we establish good posture and sitting in stillness and then we do something else. No, we don't. 
the body-mind in stillness is already something remarkable and ungraspable. And is a successful summons of the deity. And sometimes our enthusiasm for that causes some of us, perhaps unnecessarily, to shave our heads and wear odd clothing. Recently, I, I heard uh, a story that um, someone contacted the Zen Center back in the day and said, uh, maybe they'd inherited or something, a collection of uh, Okesa, that is Buddhist robe. Uh, a number of Okesas, maybe some of them antique. And uh, so uh, Blanche Hartman being the main like sewing person, uh, decided to go and look at this collection. And um, at the time, uh, uh san who was a very, very skilled seamstress from Japan and extremely experienced in, in sewing Roxu no Kesa and other such garments, uh, went with her at Blanche's request. So they went to this place, looked at these Okesas and Justin Song basically, you know, looked around for 60 seconds and then turned around and left. And told Blanche something like, I'll wait for you outside. And so Blanche was like, huh? So uh, I think those that collection wound up at Zen Center, but um, she uh, she encountered Justin Song outside on the sidewalk and said, what was all that about? And Joshua Sean said, I'm not interested. And Blanche said, oh, okay, um, anything more than that? And Joshua Sean says, oh, every Okesa, a body of Buddha, who would collect? Every Okesa, the body of Buddha. This is uh, yet another version of Deus Aderit. It's that basic, that fundamental. So you could also say, if you wear Okesa or don't wear Okesa, Buddha's body is there.
You feel that? I can't tell you what it feels like because only you know. Also, I dare to paraphrase the sixth ancestor <laughs> with that famous and wonderful quote. Although you say you can't feel it, you can't hinder the one who feels it. Okay, on that note, or lack thereof, we can have our little ceremony to thank Isan for his great work and his generous spirit. And then uh, we have a birthday donut for Shindo-san up there. So please stay for that. Uh, the ceremony is just uh, make some offerings, do three bows, chant the Sandokai, or actually the English version, the merging of different Zen unity. Three more bows, and that's it. It'll take about 10 minutes. So uh, it'll be another opportunity to appreciate. Deus Aderit. Uh, maybe there is a question. Yes. So um, when you had that experience, as you were describing. Yeah, I shouldn't have said it, but no. Did you have a like, bodily sensation that you. Kind of. It was uh, kind of bodily and also not bodily. It's both or neither. But yeah, the body was doing something. Just like melting and you sinking? No, uh, it was more like, oh my God, there's nothing here. More like that. I'm not bragging. It's just like I want to present an example of something that would be tempting to try to revisit. That's all. Yes, doctor, you're looking pensive. Sorry, yeah, no, I hesitate to ask the question, but you know, given uh, uh, what Young has said and, and what you said, you know, and, and then we, you know, in the West, we get, or I guess I don't have to, but we get you know, the, the seven last words of, of Christ on the cross. Hmm. And how do we. You know, as in Eli, Eli, Lama Sabachthani, you know, like, like that. Mm -hmm. So you, you could you could say, hmm, even God has a bad day and doesn't get it, right? Is, is that, yeah. Well, you know what they say. Some say, you know, Jesus was entirely divine and entirely human. And that was the human part, saying, "I don't like a, being up here." <laughs>
of course, there are different versions of of uh, his last moments, which is already interesting. Who's got the right one? Yes. Um, it seems to me that, you know, that how Suzuki Roshi said things as it is, is more apt to say it that way than to say things as they are. If it's like thinking in terms of one of the things said in one of the ceremonies, uh, self and object or such as they are, two yet one. Yes. Like things as they is. Mm -hmm. Is that, is that what he said? Things as it is. Things as it is. It seems to kind of express that, uh, express that. Yeah. In a way that things as they are actually doesn't express. That's probably why he said it. Yeah. Yes. So, reverting uh, to the topic of confession and repentance, yes. I was reading just last night something of um, Joko Beck. Yes. Um, she was talking about forgiveness and kind of the life work of forgiving everyone, mm. and and talking about kind of her list. Of of you know people that she had yet to forgive yeah and I was it wasn't clear to me whether she like actually made a systematic list or whether this was just sort of uh, you know the her awareness of of uh, you know it, it, like uh, the space of forgiveness yeah. of, of, of where forgiveness was lacking or something mm -hmm. like that so i so i was wondering well, gee, should i sit down and or something yeah. like that um, yeah um you know at uh for a while uh we were doing um a meta meditation from the, time to time kindness yeah thing, loving yeah. kindness and the way I was taught, there's a kind of a, a prelude, and the prelude part is a practice of forgiveness. And rather than like uh, uh, get out your list, it's like you start with first I forgive myself. Uh, then I, uh, interestingly, then I, um, you see, how does it go? May I forgive myself? Oh, and then people I have hurt, I say, may you forgive me. And then finally, people who have hurt me, may I forgive you. So that's kind of like a, an, it is a kind of body-mind exercise without actually naming specific people. So it's pretty, pretty powerful. On the other hand, there may be like candidates who are like always right there, you know, that person who either i really messed up or they really messed me up and it's like okay then maybe they will stand in to some degree for uh a whole lifetime of people whom i need to forgive or you know who i hope will forgive me so that's always within reach i guess i would say Well, thank you all for your practice of presence. And uh, a lot of deities here, man. Thank you very much.
This podcast was recorded at Hartford Street Zen Center, East Sanji, in San Francisco. Please help support our temple by making a donation at hszc.org.